Welcome to the Rebel News Daily live stream. I'm Lewis Brackpool here with Andrew Chapados across the pond. How are you, Lewis? I'm very well. It's good to see you again once and for all. How are once you? and for all. Is that a threat or I don't understand? No, no, no. See you once and for all, mate. Um, Lewis Brackpool <laughs> from the UK. Um, somewhere in Merseyside, we'll say. We're not specifically sure which province is which in england but great to see you mysterious. welcome to everybody it's very mysterious You're like the undertaker from parts unknown uh actually he was death valley california for the wrestling fans out there we're on rumble sure. we're on odyssey we're on youtube we're on getter hopefully you're on one of those if you want to interact with us uh, super U doesn't exist anymore odyssey or rumble is where you can pay to interact with us um anything over five dollars will be uh, reading on air, anything under will be put on screen. There's just so many comments, it's hard to get to all of them, but we'll do our best. You can talk to people in the chat. You can ask us questions, comments, talk about our beards. Mine's not really existing right now. I shaved it <laughs> off because um, I made a mistake shaving a couple weeks ago, Lewis. It will be back, though, and uh, eventually I will be at least half the man I once was. Lewis Brackpool, great to see you. You were on GB News last night, and you want to prime up this video we saw of you debating an MP. It was a little bit of a surprise to you, wasn't it? It was. Um, I got a message uh, asking would I like to be on GB News uh, to discuss about the billions being sent to Ukraine. We've pledged uh, another £2.3 billion, mm -hmm. pounds, uh, Liz Truss has. And so carrying on the reign of Boris Johnson, uh, supporting the current thing. And now we are seeing, well, we're in the midst of a uh, energy crisis. They're calling it a cost of living crisis mm -hmm. when really it's a cost of lockdowns and uh, of course a cost of eco fanaticism and this idea of you know let's just let's just bring in every green policy because we love it and of course the sanctions upon russia which is hurting ordinary people over oligarchs in russia we know that now but we're continuing to do it anyway so i said yes we went on i had no idea who i was going to debate and turns out it was a conservative mp which was rather exciting but in fact it wasn't just a conservative mp it was actually the head of the defense select committee in the house of commons which is big game big fish basically <laughs> and um con ink yeah, if you will con ink if you will con incorporated indeed and uh yeah, it's safe to say, really. Um, I had some fun. I thought it was great fun. Yeah, let's throw to that now, Olivia. And uh, we'll, uh, again, to preface it, this is a conservative MP. He's pushing for more funding for Ukraine. So, you know, you got yourself a real Lindsey Graham over there. Let's play this. Well spent, if it hastens the end of the war, or does it prolong the agony? And can sending billions abroad be justified at a time when so many Brits are struggling at home? To debate this... I'm delighted to welcome Conservative MP and Chair of the Defence Select Committee in the House of Commons, Tobias Elwood, and the UK correspondent of the popular news website, News Online, Rebel News, uh, Lewis Brackpool. Popular so news, let me start with you, online. if I can, Lewis. Uh, do you think it's justified to send billions to Ukraine when so many Brits are struggling? Uh, it's quite simply no. Uh, Britons are going to have a very, very tough winter to be totally honest and this idea of this being a cost of living crisis well in fact it's actually a cost of lockdown and a cost of this eco fanaticism with green policies and these sanctions upon russia which is actually hurting ordinary people over oligarchs over in russia and this stigmatization of putting the british people first has sort of been running this course for quite a long time now which I don't think it's a disgusting thing to say that we should be putting our people first. And the, the famous quote, charity starts at home, uh, should really be applied there. However, we know, don't we, that Russia's invasion of Ukraine, as well as being a humanitarian crisis, Lewis, is artificially spiking the cost of global energy. So isn't this money well spent if it brings the war to a swift conclusion? Well, according to figures that uh, we rely on 4% actually of energy from Russia. So this idea of fueling and uh, sending 
billions and billions of pounds. I think we're up to about five million pledged so far. I think the main Million. question to ask is, where is this money going? I mean, we can't verify exactly where this is heading. So I think that would be more the appropriate question to ask in my, in my view. Weaponry, uh, manpower, don't we want to see Putin mm -hmm. defeated? Absolutely, absolutely. But this is a war that is that is we shouldn't be a part of, in my humble opinion. We're sending billions and billions of pounds and interfering with something that uh, we, in my personal opinion, shouldn't be a part of, in my to total honesty. I mean, we have so much, so many problems in our backyard with inflation. Uh, the idea of going cashless very soon is a, is a big concern. Of course, the energy crisis, like you mentioned, our open borders as well, where anyone can get into a dinghy from France and travel over to the UK. And of course, business owners are going to struggle to keep their doors open in the coming months. And the, the Tory government has, has mentioned this idea of this magic money tree that's, uh, that doesn't exist. But all of a sudden, we can now <clears throat> find the money to, to send to Ukraine, this bastion of democracy. <laughs> Tobias Elwood, welcome mm -hmm. to the programme. Should Britain be pledging £2.3 billion pounds yeah, yeah, amid yeah. a cost-of-living crisis and towards a war that some are calling the forever war? Yeah, I'm sorry to hear some of those views. I'm glad you pushed back a little bit. <laughs> the idea that we live in isolation and that we can just turn our backs on what goes on in other parts of the world is, is for the birds, it really is. The reason why we have inflation here the reason why there is a migration problem is because people are trying to get away from war zones and so forth. Uh, and if Britain doesn't that's why we have inflation, as we've done in the past, and lead other like-minded nations, then these problems are only going to get bigger. The reason why food is so expensive in this country is because the grain can't get out of Ukraine. So the grain mm. price, international <laughs> grain prices have gone up. The reason why oil and gas is expensive is because it's not getting across Europe. That affects the mm. entire gas and oil market. And that's what's causing inflation in this country. I repeat, if we don't step forward, which nations will? You can't say, yes, I want Putin defeated. I want Putin outside of, of Ukraine and not be willing to step forward. That's a 1937 view uh, of the world. I make it really, can we really pause clear. It there, Olivia? Um, so, so many things here. I should write some of these down. But <laughs> most recently, they're uh, using World War II. If we don't step in, this is basically like Nazi Germany taking over. Um, even though the Russians, of course, fought the Nazis, we won't mention that. And I'm sorry to say, Lewis, but this, these talking points are so very, you know, they wouldn't be entertained in a place like America. I'm not saying Canada is any better, but, um, this idea that you have to interject into this war, he basically said, and he gets to it, that he basically sees this as a new Afghanistan. This is something we have to pump in money into for possibly the next 20 years to stop Putin. And then his understanding of economics, it's not a good thing that this guy is in government. So I didn't, who knew that the, the world, the Western world was dependent on Ukrainian grain. I didn't know that was happening. That's a new thing and claim I haven't heard yet since seeing this guy. And then the fact that the price of gas depends on Russia's ability to get gas through Europe. Well, that like gas prices are currently down in Canada. They're back to pre-war um, prices here. And we didn't have any Russian gas to begin with. So somehow... The Russian invasion of Ukraine made our gas prices spike, but now that, well, that they're still there, they're somehow back down, even though we didn't take any oil from them in the first place. And like you're saying, 4% in Britain, it's almost as if it was done for reasons, you know, that aren't don't have anything to do with it. And the fact that Germany now is asking for gas again, well, like, this is just a guy basically, pardon my English here, but bullshitting his way through this just because he wants to funnel into Ukraine. And I, and I can't wait to get this part where he says, uh, where he comes back at you for saying that you don't know where the money goes. But this guy's got basically high school level takes on this, and it's all just because he wants to support this war. He blows past you talking about there being an energy crisis. He blows past talking about uh, taking English... Uh, taking care of English people first. He blows past a lot of stuff there because he just wants to so badly, for some reason, I don't know what's in his heart, fund this war in Ukraine. And he says, if we turn our backs, it's basically like 1937, turning our backs on who? The, the Jews, the Polish, the French? I don't know. 
But in order for us to feel good about ourselves, we need to involve ourselves in a war. To that point, to him, I would say, well, what about, you know, like like Yemen? Should we be sending billions of dollars there still? Should we be going to Sudan? Um, should we be sending money and military to Hong Kong or Taiwan? Should uh, China formally invade there? So many African conflicts to get to that I haven't mentioned. But by this logic, if we don't funnel billions of dollars into these countries' militaries and provide them with weaponry they'd never have the ability to create on their own, then we're being bad people. And that's what it comes down to, really, is him saying that if you don't give money to Ukraine, in this case, upwards of five billion pounds, then you are a bad person. Is anything I'm saying there do you think is wildly off base there, uh, Lewis? Nope. <laughs> to be blunt, no, no, I don't think so. I think... Uh, You'll see in the clip when we carry it on that, um, yeah, I think he used the words. I don't think I'm not sure if we're using the full clip. I made another uh, edit on, on Instagram as well, where it encompasses uh, other things that I mentioned, such as Ukraine 2030, the mm -hmm. the har harrowing video that the vice prime minister and the uh, minister of digital transformation in Ukraine is envisioning where they would like AI courts, e-services, even car registrations via your smartphone, and, and ultra-modern iron domes through every single facility. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to be able to afford to pay for that, I wonder. With your money. But, yeah, most likely. Um, but uh, me even asking, and you'll see in the, in the clip when we replay it, um, or, or carry it on, uh, I question we can't verify where this is going but he just says listen to our debate uh, listen to our debates that was yes um it was listen to our debates uh on the house of commons yeah i'm sorry i wish i would have said it we always say that after a debate yeah, i wish i would have said this but um <laughs> listening to someone debate in the house of commons where the money's going isn't actually proving anything. It's it's almost right. like saying, just take our word for it. Yeah, oh, um, they're telling well, people, yeah. they're telling Ukraine what to do with the money. Surely they'll follow it. Surely they'll do exactly what you say. And uh, I don't know where this comes from. I don't like, and it kind of makes you feel. And I've been saying this for a while now about Canadian politics. You're debating this guy who's literally in charge or one of the people in charge of sending these billions of dollars to Ukraine. I hope people see yeah. the very fine line between society and government there. This is a guy who went on, he's connecting via the internet, just like Lewis is, to talk about this issue. But the only difference here is, is his difference in opinion, which I would argue is a poor and ill thought out one that he doesn't usually have people telling him is wrong because they want to shill for it. He's the person who gets to decide where 2.5 billion pounds go to, or 2.3, excuse me, um, and not the people. So he doesn't need a vote from the common person in the United Kingdom. He doesn't need a vote from a Scot or a Brit or an Irishman. He just needs to say, well, if we don't do this, then we are bad people. Therefore, $2.5 billion or whatever it is yeah. sent over there, too bad if you don't like it then I guess you're going to have to vote in a new government. But there has to be some sort of level of transparency and, you know, direct democracy when these things are happening. Because you have yeah. probably half of a country, half the United States, half of Canada, saying we disagree with this, but we're just going to plow through this anyway, just like they did with lockdowns and everything. And what I'm saying is, is now I hope people see when Lewis goes on these networks and debates these people that the people who are in charge of you that get access to billions of your dollars they're not special they're not especially bright they don't have especially good ideas this guy's basically saying if you don't give me your money then you're a bad person is would that fly if would you take your car into the shop and they say well we should uh, change all your tires and you say no, why should I do that? And they say, well, you know, it, it would be it, you'd be a good person if you did it and you just get bullied into spending all this money. That's basically what this is. Do you want your tire to fall off and, and hit somebody? Mm. It could actually hit somebody on the side of the highway or cause an accident. This is not the basis on which people make their decisions on whether or not somebody else will determine if you're a bad person or not. Did you not mm. did you not stop? 
for a full stop at that stop sign, well, you're going to have to pay for that. Like, it's the determination of somebody else calling you a good or a bad person, and that's what how billions of dollars are spent. I reject that premise wholeheartedly. Let's play the rest of the clip before I bowl over Lewis's whole spotlight here. <laughs> Will, you can't say, yes, I want Putin defeated. I want Putin outside of, of Ukraine and not be willing to step forward. That's a 1937 view of the world. I make it really, really clear. Our world is getting more dangerous and more complex. Democracies are on the decline. Authoritarianism is on the rise. And if we don't wake up and work with allies, such as the United States, and there's others that are in the UN right now meeting, then I'm afraid then we're in for a very bumpy decade indeed. However, do we know, Tobias Elwood, where this money is going? Is there accountability for these billions? We of course there it. is, absolutely. We're not a country that simply throws money at another nation and not ha has any account for it. Nobody does that. No. Well, uh, unfortunately, you can watch the full clip on my Instagram uh, where I bring up the Ukraine 2030 uh, part and he was just shaking his head and said that it was irrelevant. Well, mm -hmm. you know, my question would be, why would it be irrelevant uh, when... This is their vision of, of Ukraine post uh, Russia, Ukraine, the, the Russia Ukraine war. That's their vision. So, how can we, how can you justify sending billions and billions of pounds when this is their utopia that they want to build? Where are they going to find the money for that? So, my, that's why I said my question, the, the more appropriate question to ask is not what can we do or what can Canada do? What can the US do? What can, the, uh, what can Australia do and other countries do, but more, where is this money going? Where is it going? Because we're just handing it over and we, go, we don't see any accountability. We don't see any receipts. We don't see where this is going. And we're not supposed to know where it's going. But I think we have the right to know as the taxpayer because we are the ones paying for this. We are the ones fueling this proxy war. So that's all I've got to say. Well, he talks about authoritarian authoritarianism on the rise. I'd like to know what he's citing uh, for those figures, if he has any, and the downfall of democracy. He, as he sits there saying, well, too bad we're sending all of your money over to this foreign country and you don't have a right to uh, complain about it, even though yeah. you're going to turn off your, your light soon. So it's very interesting that the guy sits there and says that. Um, but you're right about Ukraine. Um, this is the future they want. It's almost as if they're setting up their, you know, post-Great Reset society. Let's funnel billions and billions of dollars into it so that we can set up our own infrastructure there. And if they have their way, basically their perfect authoritarian society where their preferred algorithm determines who gets to have what rights. And, you know, they'll set up their own Iron Dome system that costs you know, 50 grand a missile to for use. Every facility. <laughs> yeah. Every single facility as well. Every single one. Think so that, that you can't... So they're setting up their great elitist society, it sounds like. And maybe he's going to watch this and he's going to be like, oh, look at look at these conspiracy theorists. And But that's literally <laughs> what it is. If you want to have your own iron dome per building, then uh, it's pretty much you're saying that you don't want any world governments to be able to come and stop you from having your perfect robot society. But we move on. Mm. Uh, British media v. Justin Trudeau is always a good uh, time. <laughs> and there was a guy yelling Indeed. at him in the streets. You know, there's a bunch of people cheering for him, people simping for Trudeau, if you will. And one guy yelling at him. But this is um, Laura Dodsworth. I'm not familiar with her. Maybe mm. you are, Lewis, um, yes. talking about Trudeau. Yes, she uh, she wrote the book The State of Fear. I've got that. She's fantastic. Um, she looks through a lot of the narratives and actually questions a lot. Uh, but she gave her opinion on on Talk TV very recently, and I'm still yet to watch all of it. So this will be a great little reaction. Yeah, let's see what she had to say about uh, Prime Minister. Oh, I was going to say Prime Minister Blackface, but I won't say that. Uh, let's play this. Since then, I've realised he's an arch-narcissist controlling yes. fascist <laughs> sociopath. Mm. That's enough that's well, I mean, reasons there. Just but... as well he became a politician then, uh, <laughs> yeah, because that's so exactly well the qualifications that you need. Absolutely. <laughs> um, the specific reason I'm making him my plank is actually I am doing this on behalf of Canada. Mm. 
there have been 500,000 tweets in the last couple of days all saying Trudeau must go. Yeah. Now, this has gone, it's gone viral. It's a, it's a great Twitter trend. And what people are doing is saying who they are, what they do, mm. and saying that their views are too extreme for Trudeau and Trudeau mm. must go. They're mainly objecting to the vaccine mandates. Yeah. You know, Canada's still living in this kind of viral handmaid's yeah. tale world yeah, where you can't there? go anywhere unless you're vaccinated. Well, they've got all of them and they're all still completely straight. And so the thing is that he kind of projects this image of being really reasonable and he's he's popular. Mm -hmm. But Twitter trends don't tell a lie. And he's got half a million tweets from his home country saying he must go. Mm. That's a very good point that he really does present himself as, you know, he gets up there and he's like, we're reasonable and we don't want to give in to the unreasonable people. Meanwhile... His policies dictate that he is an authoritarian, at least in, you know, desire and in actions. He doesn't have absolute power, but he certainly tries to wield it. And in countries are, like our Lewis, and I bring this up again, we don't really have the checks and balances the United States does. The president can make a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for where he signs a document, a, a, a declaration. That's not the right word. Mm. Producer Efron? Pledge. No. Pledge. <laughs> a what? Anyways, where the pre the president can make a a decree? No, you know where the Trump made a bunch of them. Oh, live, live um, TV, everybody. Oh, dearie me. Um, an executive order. Thank you, team. Back executive there. order. The production yes. team really saving my ass here. Uh, an executive. The president <laughs> can make an executive order, but it still, in most cases, doesn't actually do anything. He has to pull funds from somewhere else that he's in charge of. You know, that sort of thing. But in Canada and England, and then uh, by proxy, Australia and New Zealand, the Commonwealth. There's so fewer things that have to be done. Yes, they can debate them in Parliament, but with the way our system is set up, you just get these coalitions of two parties, especially in Canada with the Liberals and the NDP, and they just push everything through. And yes, you can argue this with the House, but then you've got the Senate and the, you've got three branches there. But I think anybody would be uh, lying through their teeth if they were to argue that things are much difficult, much more difficult to put through in our countries as opposed to the United States. It's just easier in our countries for them to implement their agenda. And the with the passiveness of our two nations and our two societies, and, you know, there isn't as much hunger for freedom and things of that sense, things happen much faster and much quicker. I mean, how quickly mm -hmm. did Christia Freeland say we're seizing people's bank accounts and they, and they determine that this is an illegal act and then you can no longer mm. do it. This simply doesn't happen as quickly in the United States. The thing I can think of from Trump is making statues, tumbling statues over illegal immediately with a higher um, incarceration length. But in our mm. two countries, Lewis, they just push this stuff through and it happens seemingly overnight. And what she is saying here is that Justin Trudeau can go on television and say, you know, I'm the greatest guy in the world. Why doesn't everybody just love me even more? And people who aren't paying attention were like, well, he seems like a reasonable guy. He seems like a nice guy. And he really cares about his country. But once the door closes, you know, he might be singing Bohemian Rhapsody, but he ends the last verse mm. with saying seize their bank accounts or something like that. Or, you know, mm. declare them as to be a terrorist group. And I don't think yeah. people across the world knew before Justin Trudeau just how how easily the governments can do something like this, just like we saw in Australia with just how easily mm. they can throw people into, you know, camps. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can pay $20 to have uh, uh, Andrew Chapados actually rant in your ear for, uh, for for half an hour if you wanted to. So please I'm send sorry. in your... I'm rumble. sorry about the content, Lewis. I'm sorry the people are hungry for content <laughs> to speak against the powerful oh. groups in these countries, Lewis. I know. You know what? Because of that, Lewis, we're going to a commercial break. Oh, um, <laughs> we're going to go to a commercial break, and hopefully, we can get uh, Katie Davis Court on the line, our Rebel News USA reporter from Seattle. We've got so much to get to. Um, we've got more Justin Trudeau, uh, Jacinda Ardern. We've got another MP, and we're going to get to some American stuff here with uh, Katie and maybe some Kyrie Irvin stuff. Are we good with that team? Yep. All right. So let's throw to the ad here and we'll be right back. Just like we got to talk to here, Lewis. We'll be right back, everybody. Other than your friends at Rebel News, who are the best journalists in Canada? 
Well, obviously, it's Rex Murphy and Conrad Black. They're amazing. Conrad Black, the founder of the National Post and its lead columnist, Rex Murphy, one of the wisest and funniest conservative critics in the country. Oh, I love both of those guys. Imagine spending dinner with not one, but both of them. Well, you can, or even just come to a discussion between the two men. Here's what I'm talking about. On September 22nd, the Democracy Fund is hosting an amazing evening with Conrad Black and Rex Murphy. It's going to start out with a wine and cheese reception. Then it's going to have the two men in conversation for 90 minutes. And then afterwards, for those who like, a private dinner with Conrad Black and Rex Murphy, and I'll be there too. And I don't know, I'm, I'm excited about it. There is going to be a lot of intellectual horsepower there. Uh, and two fascinating guys. If you're interested, you can find out all the details at the link below or at the democracyfund.ca slash events. The prices started just 11 bucks. If you're not in the Toronto area, you can watch online on Zoom, The Conversation. If you are in the Toronto area, come on out. You can buy a ticket just for the conversation between the two men. They're on stage. You can get a ticket for the wine and cheese beforehand or come to the sit-down dinner afterwards, sort of the after party with Rex Murphy and Conrad Black, and I will be there. Apologies if I'm a de uh, deterrent for you buying a ticket. I'm kidding around. It's going to be a great night. I'll see you there. September 22nd, the Democracy Fund. Find out more at thedemocracyfund.ca slash events or click the link below. Tickets start at 11 bucks and they go up to 250 if you want that sit-down dinner with Rex and Conrad afterwards. The Democracy Fund, of course, being a CRA-registered charity, so your money goes towards a good cause. All right, we'll see you on September 22nd. That's thedemocracyfund.ca. Are you liking the banter on our live stream that you're watching right now? If so, you should know that you can get exclusive Rebel News content by going to rebelnewsplus.com. You'll get special shows from my colleague Sheila Gunn-Reed, Ezra Levant, as well as the Menzoid Menzies. And you'll also get to view our exclusive documentaries, including the one that tells you the truth of what was actually discovered, at least what is known to be discovered so far at the Kamloops Indian Residential School. Take a look at the trailer. Well, the remains of 215 children have been found in a mass grave in Canada. Many of you know that just over a year ago, the discovery of the remains of 215 children was found at the Kamloops Indian Residential School at the Tecumloops Shiswemek First Nation. But what if I were to show you that what I just said wasn't true? and that in fact, a year later, not a single body has been found. This mass grave is a painful reminder of the genocide. Canada's leaders aren't condemning the burning of churches. No, they're endorsing the burning of churches. A juvenile rib bone that surfaced in the same area. You'd be surprised the number of people who say, you know, I'm a doctor, I'm a paramedic. This is definitely human bone, and it's hmm. definitely not. Is it the chief? Another great documentary on Rebel News Plus. Sign up for that. My show's on there, Lewis. You should be paying for it. I don't know. I, I should be. I know. <laughs> Lewis Brackpool, myself, Andrew Chapters. We're joined from the United States of America by Katie Davis Court. Not by, with. <laughs> she founded the country, you guys. Katie, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. Thanks Very for well. joining us today. Thank you. We are I'm going, excited to be here. We're excited to have you. Lewis could, you know, barely stay in his seat, you know, but those Brits, they don't emote very well. So uh, <laughs> don't be offended by him. We've got some good American content we want to hear from you on. First things first, where are you joining us from? Seattle, Washington. Well, that's perfect because we just happen to have a story, Lewis, out of Seattle. Don't even dare ask how we knew that. Um, tell us about this, Katie. Um, my notes here say the Chinese uh, International District is revolting against the Seattle Council. 
Um, this is from something you put out there. Um, can you please explain to us what the Chinese International District is and what's going on here? Because we all know from the rest of the world that Seattle, you know, they've got a big Antifa problem. The uh, autonomous zone that happened, very they're very supportive of homeless people there. And, you know, a far left wingism. We've all seen the video of everything in the streets. Can you tell us what the story is all about? Yeah, so what we're seeing right now in Seattle is really this great awakening with the chi with Chinatown. The it's called the CID, the Chinese International District. And what Seattle City Council is doing is they have imposed a $22 million taxpayer-funded homeless encampment right next to Chinatown. Now, Chinatown is known for violent crime. Their elderly residents are frequently getting attacked by homeless vagrants already. They already have about 20 um, homeless shelters in the district, and they're imposing this 500-bed shelter next to their district, um, next to their district, without letting them know. And all the Chinatown, all they want to do is have a moratorium. They want city council to come to the table and discuss their concerns about this encampment, because in Seattle we have no laws, we don't have police. <laughs> Yeah, we don't have police. We don't have prosecution. The ones that are attacking the elderly Asians are homeless vagrants who are frequently let back onto the streets and because of our re revolving door policies and lack of prosecution. So they have had it. They are acknowledging that progressive policies have failed them and they're actively fighting back against the city council. Katie, what's the counterpoint to... Uh, this community of Chinese people who don't want this. Is there a left-wing talking point, something like they usually have? Or are they calling them, you know, bigots or anything like that? What's the counterpoint to the resistance? Have you heard anything about that? Yeah, so actually there's no counter-protesters that showed up, which is pretty, um, that's not normal for Seattle because anytime anything homeless happens or you try to solve the issue, you get Antifa, you get, the homeless rights activists fighting on behalf of the homeless staying compassion. But I will say this is that Seattle city council, only two of them showed up to listen to their concerns. The rest are still on zoom. They're claiming COVID. Mm -hmm. And, um, what was so abhorrent to me was they had their cameras turned off during the meeting. So you have this marginalized minority community, which Seattle city council tries to win over with the vote saying that they're here for the, uh, immigrants, but they don't even show up to listen to their concerns. This is a theme that's growing and growing in the United States. We've seen it with the Martha's Vineyard, Lori Lightfoot in Chicago, the New York City mayor, um, Muriel Bowser, who isn't the Bowser from Mario, I assure you. They are all having a problem with their own preferred policies coming to their doorstep. And when it does come to their doorstep, they say, well, we don't want any part of that. Uh, sorry, minorities and sorry, people that we, you know, try to appeal to and pander to all the time. We don't actually care about you. Is that the feeling? Do you know if that's the feeling people are getting when this sort of thing happens? Do you think it's going to start causing, you know, more people? I'd hate to use the term waking up, but do you think that's causing people to become a little bit more aware that these policies are more uh, for for thee, not for me? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think what we're seeing is a great awakening in the Chinese community. They typically vote for leftists or liberals, and they're seeing progressive policies fail them. And they are acknowledging that because the signs that they were holding during the protests were Democrats are MIA, uh, pictures of city council members on posters with their face marked out. So they're very aware that Democrats are lying to them when they say that they're going to help. And what I will say is that members from the Republican Party, the Washington State GOP, actually showed up in support of Chinatown. So it's gonna be interesting come November to see who, how they vote. Lewis, do you have any remarks on this that won't get you put in an English jail? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know about their non-crime hate incidences. Um, 
Yeah, it just sounds to me like uh, classic careerist politicians that are shifting blame and not taking responsibility. I mean, we hear this time and time again, uh, especially in in America, uh, sometimes on both sides, which I've heard. I've heard the expression rhino a lot as well. Um, but you, this is a this is a common theme uh, currently for uh, Western politicians, and it's such a shame. It is such a shame. So to hear something like that is. Um, is quite upsetting, uh, to say the least. Very true and very cool, Lewis. It's the, you know, again, we look at that Martha Vineyard story, Martha's Vineyard story, and it couldn't mm. have been faster to take care of something when they actually want it to be taken mm. care of. How dare they? It was 48 um, Venezuelans, I believe, and they couldn't get rid of them faster. It just goes to show you if they actually wanted something done, they could do it. But it's like we would rather, you know, keep it away from us. We're fine with ruining other people's neighborhoods and other people's cities. But as soon as it comes to a place that that doesn't want it and they're on our side, I mean, that's really what it comes down to is as long as you're on their side, then they'll do something for you. But if you're not, then too bad Chinese immigrants will say we love you 364 days out of the year. But on that one day, you're just going to have to deal with homeless encampments basically so it's a homeless complex katie just like this big building they're going to use to you know how like isn't that what a homeless shelter is but they just want to put it right next to uh this community right well this isn't just a homeless shelter it's a homeless megaplex blocks wide they're building 500 beds and it's not just people from outside this chinese district they're taking all the vagrants from downtown from this area called soto from the nearby uh, neighborhoods, putting them all in this encampment. And for some reason, they think that the crime is going to stay confined to the fences. That's not going to happen. Let's show this footage here of this beautiful city. Surely nobody's on drugs. That guy, he's just taking a midday nap as the school children walk by. He's uh... Is that a syringe that he was holding there? Let's hope it is, Lewis. I hope it oh. is. I've been watching a lot of uh, intervention highlights lately and... Uh... I think heroin. Oh wow! Yeah, okay, just he's injecting up. while the children walk yeah. by. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. good. Yeah, that's I so think, messed uh, up. A is typical this, uh, day in Seattle. Is this appropriate? <laughs> he's just living life, Lewis, as they say. Let's uh, move away from these wonderful images uh, by yeah. the underpass. Graphic. That's. I'm not worried about that. It's just disturbing, is all. Uh, the Discovery Institute, faint. by the way. Wealth and poverty. Kyrie Irving is another American story. I believe he has some comments about New York City. Now, everybody had high hopes for Eric Adams, that he was a po- former policeman, and he's going to you know, bring in some change. He's done nothing for the crime. In fact, the, as soon as he got into office, they lessened uh, the restrictions on criminals uh, so they can get out easier without bail. But uh, TMZ Sports is reporting. Let's throw that up there. TMZ does good work besides their stupid show that they have just people chatting. But uh, on COVID-19 vax mandates, biggest violations of human rights. So now what's happening in New York City is they're ending the vaccine mandate for private sector, of course, and they are keeping it for a booster for um, public sector. So if you work for the government, you need a booster, but private sector, you know, all the, the mayor's friends and the governor's friends who have lots of money they can keep their employees but i believe what's happened in new york as of a couple days ago is they fired a whole bunch of teachers and they're going to say they're unvaccinated but actually they just don't have a booster that's uh i think we can search olivia yeah new york fires teachers let's bring that up um how many people is that new york city fires hundreds more teachers for not getting covid shot um they've marched katie They've they've had BLM on their side. They've had so many things. Why is the the city of New York still doing this? They're one of the very last jurisdictions to enforce something like this. Right, because they're power hungry and they are receiving funds from big pharma. They don't care about the vaccine. They know it doesn't work. The CDC came out and said it's time to treat everyone equally, vaccinated and unvaccinated, and they're just... Uh, getting funds from Big Pharma. So they're going to be pushing the vaccine mandate for their own political gain. Katie Davis Court, soon to be banned on YouTube for that last comment. Let's (laughs) let's look out for that one on all of our social medias. will be deleted and Lewis will be in jail come the next segment. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Lewis, we were watching the live stream. Come to the door, will you? 
Kyrie Irving, of course, gave up, I think, half of his salary for the first while there. He was only allowed to play in visiting arenas until they said, you know, just like they're doing now with private business, it's okay if basketball players and baseball players aren't vaccinated. They can play. He even went to watch one of his team's own games because he was allowed to sit in the arena and watch but not play or be part of the team. So he's standing up again. He's giving up a lot of money. And then that sort of put a domino effect in place. There's a guy named Jonathan Isaac who played for or plays for the Orlando Magic, even uh, Draymond Green. And I'm not, I know I'm going very sports here. Lewis doesn't even know what basketball is, I don't think. Um, That's true. And so a lot of people stood up in the NBA for the right to choose, and it's seen as a player's league. So that sort of, you know, uh, you know, rhetoric is sort of allowed in the NBA. Of course, there is all the BLM stuff, but even for that stuff, a lot of players supported him. Now they're still doing it, and he's coming out again. And the only reason he's allowed to do this, I think, Lewis, is because he's such a good player. I think he would be ousted and quietly dealt with, maybe released if he wasn't as good of a player as we can see. Uh, let's bring that up, Olivia. This was uh, last year, I believe, where he did this uh, viral video where he talked about getting suspended for it. Because he, he actually is a person who actually wants to stand up for people's rights unlike a lot of um, athletes in America, uh, Colin Kaepernick, I won't call him an athlete. He hasn't been one for several years. But uh, in the sports world, I don't know about over there, Lewis, but is there as much resistance in the sports world over there? Would Tyson Fury be a guy who talks about this stuff? I'm not sure. Are there any other athletes that you can think of? Or is it capitulating as the Premier League, the English Soccer League is? Yeah, I think... I think it's quite a difficult subject, really. I think there are some people in sports that uh, are really pushing back against it. Um, uh, a guy named Fowler, uh, who's a, a boxer, has really been uh, getting out there on social media and really saying some stuff, uh, which is awesome. Um, and I think Tyson Fury, I'm not, I, I don't want to, I don't think he's mentioned it he might have done it might have slipped my uh my timeline uh, but i know he's spoken out throw them out throw yeah them out there. yeah yeah he's he's spoken out against like the illegal immigration problem um which is is a very very noble thing to do especially with a a platform like that and to actually come out and say look this is wrong um you know we need to we need to start putting uh, the british people first i mean that's that's a very that's a risky thing to say with someone of his stature. So I think there are a few sports personnel in this country that are really trying to to push back, but it's difficult um, because there's a lot of people that don't want to bite the hand that feeds them, and mm -hmm. that's that's a, a risk in itself. You know, you're you're putting yourself in the firing line um, to really uh, to get their message out there. So either way you look at it, it's it's a big risk. So um, yeah, I think over here there are a few that are speaking out, but there is a lot of people undercover that uh, that are making little sort of adjustments and noises. Harry Kane, just going to take a knee for the rest of his life, I think, is what he plans Probably, on doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go to another break. And if anyone's wondering, Lewis Brackpool is a Formula One fan. He, You can find him at three yes. in the morning, five in the morning, waking up with his mates, the fellow blokes. Just uh, me. Just, just you. What are you guys eating yeah. when you're uh, when you're watching Formula One? Some chips. <laughs> what am uh, I eating? <laughs> yeah, some Melba toast maybe. Uh, probably put a pizza on. Uh, no, nice pepperoni pizza. Don't lie to people, do. Lewis. You're eating beans okay. on toast. Yeah, true. In the can. In the nice blue Heinz can. Let's go to break. If you guys true. have any paid chats, you want to quest have questions for Katie or Lewis or myself. Uh, go ahead and throw those in there on Rumble Rants and Odyssey Hyper Chats. We will get to them soon, and uh, we'll be right back. Well, the remains of 215 children have been found in a mass grave in Canada. Do you want to get closer to the truth about what was actually buried at Kamloops Indian Residential School last year? So do I. That's why the Rebels are doing a live screening in Calgary at Canyon Meadows Cinemas, and we want you to join us. We'll be there to watch this documentary with you, meet and greet you, and answer any questions that you have. I can't wait to see you. There's more info below.
I want to go meet Rhea and Matt, <laughs> Matt Brevner. Rebelnews.com slash live streams. That's where the daily feed is if you want to catch the embedded video so you don't have to go searching on any of the websites. You can just come to ours. Maybe throw us a donation. Maybe sign up for Rebel News Plus so you can watch Andrew Says. Right, Lewis? Right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Let's go to back to uh, Trudeau's love affair. Um, he's had so many allegedly... Patriots are in control. He's allegedly having love affairs all across the globalist <laughs> nations. Um, but I mean, realistically, this is a globalist gathering. Him and Jacinda Ardern, Lewis, uh, I know you love when we Respect. go to Australia. We speak. Frankly, we're only getting questions from people who we trust Respect. now. You're only getting answers from the government. Um, so that's a prime minister, uh, communist lady and me. Uh, can we blow that up a little bit? It's uh, smaller on our screen. Uh, for those of you who don't know, she was in a young socialist group. Um, she's an open Democrat. Where are my fingers? Democratic socialist. So they have a literal socialist in office, so don't at me for that one. Prime Minister Ardern and I have touched base on the phone over video calls, all summits, and now on planes. So we're wearing masks on a private plane, even though they had an another picture where he's not wearing a mask, um, pretending to talk to each other here. As we traveled together from London, we reflected on Her Majesty the Queen's devotion to service and the connection she had with Canadians and New Zealanders. Nobody has a connection with New Zealanders. Uh, scroll down, please, for his second tweet. It's true, Lewis. No Not comment. even Australians. Click on this one, please, so we can all... Uh, we also spoke about Ukraine, climate change, violent extremism, reconciliation, and how we can make progress well. over these <laughs> files together. I'll tell you what they really did. They said, what's a list of things we can say we both talked about without actually talking to them? Uh, Ukraine. Just the buzzwords. Climate change. The buzzwords. Violent extremism. Current... Reconciliation. We can talk Listen, about. Listen, respect. Respect <laughs> the current thing, right? There you go. go. <laughs> uh, I don't know how. I've been saying for like a year, give the island to the Maori. They're much more proud people than uh, Jacinda and her team are. I did, but... Here's a question for y'all. And I say y'all because Katie's here with us. Um, and I want to Even though I don't language. live in Texas. <laughs> uh, we're going to pretend uh, we're going to pretend that America's one thing for now. Um, <laughs> does it say something? I mean, we sit across the, the the ocean here and make fun of Jacinda and her policies and those weird authoritarianism she is involved in, but she has been elected more than once. Are we missing something here? Is there some sort of you know, um, cultural thing we're not getting. Do you guys think that the New Zealanders, the Kiwis are happy with Jacinda in the same way that Justin Trudeau has been elected three, four times here? Is there something you guys think that we're missing about New Zealand and the way she's governing? Do you want me to go first or ladies first? Ladies first. Uh, go ahead. I don't. I don't know enough ladies about first. her okay. to like make an intelligent statement <laughs> on that. But I do. You know, I don't want to sound sound off. But um, I think. I mean, she had a. She was involved in banning necessarily Avi Yemeni from Australia to go to report. So I think, mm. like Trudeau, she doesn't want the truth getting out, and there seems to be some hidden agenda in their government. Mm. I think I think they I think we've underestimated uh, how good the New Zealand PR team is at marketing <laughs> her uh, her her image and uh, and what she wants to push out to the public. So I think we've kind of underestimating that and the people that just want to lap up absolutely everything. Um, yeah, that's that's just kind of what you get, really. I mean, just look at uh, look at what happened in in Sweden uh, recently, where. You know, we had, they had 11 years or uh, various years of the, of the same party implementing these policies. And now they've had a, a, a drastic shift in change of leadership because they sat there and went, well, we don't want socialist feminist style policies that just don't work. So I think people are starting to wake up, maybe. But like I said, we shouldn't underestimate uh, a very good PR team and marketing team. <laughs> Olivia, can we throw that clip back up there where he's um, talking there on that TikTok video of Trudeau that you just had up there? I want to point out there that Justin Trudeau has his mask over one ear and he's and he's talking to the camera. <laughs> yeah, that one. Throw that back up on screen for us. 
So if you're wearing a mask, she's wearing a mask. What's the justification here for you not having the mask on? He's not eating. He's yeah. not sipping. It's just so that they can hear him. We all know that. But this is the theatrics knows no bounds for Justin Trudeau. He'll sing at a piano um, because he wants all the ladies to love him. Hey, ladies, let's uh, showcase my singing skills. And then he'll fly across the world on a private jet wear a mask for a photo, and then have it hanging off of him while he records a video because he wants to be heard. He has no thought in his brain that's like, maybe this is a little bit hypocritical. Maybe this is inconsistent of me to be talking and then not wearing a mask <laughs> sitting across from a person when nothing has changed except for the fact that I want people to hear him or hear myself. He doesn't care or he doesn't have the capacity to think about the, these things. Both of those scenarios are bad. A guy who doesn't care or who has literally zero common sense. This is where we're at in this country. And then we go to the NDP. I want to talk about that uh, clip as well. Katie and Lewis, the NDP is the new Democratic Party in Canada. They're basically, I say, mm. if the squad in the U.S. had its own uh, political party, very far left, very, you know, uh, blank stare is the is the requirement for their the representatives we got a guy named charlie angus here i want to play let's hear what he has to say and it'll be very hard to know what he's actually referring to here you guys speaker democracy is a fragile thing and we all need to do more in an age of disinformation conspiracy theory and the rising of threat of political uh, intimidation we need to rebuild trust with canadians and I make it my promise in this session of Parliament to work harder to maintain the trust of the people who sent me here. I just want to raise a standing fist for ovation. Him. What does he mean, Lewis? What could a left-wing politician mean by you know there being disinformation and threats to democracy online? What could he mean by that? It's a bit of an oxymoron, really. It's a, it's dem what did he say? Democracy is fragile. Yet he wants to get rid of conspiracy theorists or did he say get rid of or did he say something he wants the to conspiracy clamp theories down and disinformation are a threat to democracy so right right even though the free market of ideas doesn't come into practice there at all okay right katie what do well, you that's, think that's he an means? oxymoron yeah you know i think that this is just really the classic case of one side accusing the other side of what they are personally guilty of <laughs> <laughs> he, this all this means, and, and whenever they say this, this just means I would like to censor people that I disagree with or disagree with me. I don't think anybody doesn't see through this at this point. When an old right. guy comes on screen that you've never heard of from a political party that isn't very popular, it's because somebody is like, hey, will you say that we're under threats, the democracy's under threat right now, and we've got conspiracy theories running rampant? And he says, okay. I'll take the check from you and say this complete nonsense because they just want to have more power to censor things online. That's the direct line of saying there's too much disinformation out there, followed by let's make some legislation that we can force social media to censor things we don't like. They've already started to do it in uh, in Canada with their, you know, their little licenses they came out with a few months ago so that Facebook doesn't have to uh, or that they can downrank you even more so. We know Zuck, the Zuck was on Rogan and said they downrank things the government tells them to do it. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the meta executive uh, v. Congress the other day. This guy sounds exactly like Mark Zuckerberg. It's like he watched Mark Zuckerberg's depositions to Congress and just tried to completely emulate them. Uh, I see that we're finding video of this right now. I just want to get a clip of that guy. But... Um, I don't know. It's going to be hard to find, maybe. Uh, I don't think anybody has trouble seeing through this at this point when they talk about online misinformation. And I wonder if we're going to get back to this world where people just start going to, like, message boards and stuff and, and direct messaging. Uh, um, you guys are big MSN Messenger fans. I know what I can see MSN. in your eyes. MSN. <laughs> oh, yes. MSN, yes. Katie, were you, a, were you a budding teen using MSN back in the day like we were? Is that the same thing as AIM? Did you guys have AIM? AOL Messenger? I mean, we had access AOL Messenger. to it. You would like type this little, you could type little away messages. Yeah. It was just like a little chat thing. Yeah, it's the same thing. It just wasn't as popular in our countries, I think. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so it was a good time. Um, people used to go directly to websites they wanted the information from. I don't think that's going to completely be the case. People want it all in one place, but like, 
maybe that's something that would be better for people. I think it probably would be to not have things, you know, curated for you. Do we have any paid chats to get to before Lewis goes to jail? <laughs> Sorry, Lewis. You read that one. The screen's all right for me. Sure. Uh, it says, Lewis, good on you for putting on a jacket and dressing up for your spot on TV News. Shame, shame on you for dressing down for us lowly Canadian folks. <laughs> Andrew moves up to my fifth favorite rebel spot. Listen, right, I feel comfortable when I'm around you guys. I was in the lion's den yesterday. So, you know, had to be uh, had to be on top form, had to be looking completely, you know, uh, we'll leave that there. Well, I'm Katie, sorry for uh, letting you down. But Katie, not wearing, what, well, I'm wearing Katie might not understand, Lewis. Yeah, I know, right? Katie might understand that the <laughs> the culture Lewis and I have fostered on these live streams and on our content is basically to make set people pay to make fun of us is what usually happens yeah. <laughs> when we're on the live stream. Any uh, nice right. comments for Katie? Anything else there? Katie, you read one. Oh, man. I got to go up close. Is it too far this away? Is from on your... Frasbo. There you go. Yeah, it's really far away. There we go. It's not like we are sending a plane load of cash like Obama did. We are sending equipment that has to be replaced by our manufacturer. Are they talking about do with, uh, is that a pro-Ukraine stance? Okay, here's that's the... what it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you can send javelin missiles and uh, some updated weaponry to Ukraine, and that's fine if that's what you want. If you enjoy neo-Nazis using your weapons, uh, oh, there aren't any of those in the Ukraine. The Azov Battalion are just freedom <laughs> fighters, Lewis. I mean, I'm sorry, you don't have to pick a side between Ukraine and Russia. They both suck. It's okay to say no. it. They're both terrible yeah. countries. Russia wants to to take you over so they can, you know, have uh, ostensibly the Soviet Union again and uh, get access to ports and, and trading and maybe some chemical weapons facilities that the U.S. has in Ukrainian grounds. Grounds And Ukraine Zelensky wants to get billions and billions of your tax dollars so that they can funnel it to their friends. I'm not afraid to say it. If you think that Ukraine is some sort of, you know, humanitarian mission where they're just fighting for freedom and defending their borders and they're just under attack and they want democracy, then you haven't looked into things enough. I'm sorry to tell you, but... Uh, Sorry, Louis. You know the Ukrainian simping just gets to me. As a Frenchman, okay. as a Frenchman, okay. I can't handle it. It's okay. We're here for you, bro. It's all good. <laughs> Calm down, Andrew. I agree. And you know, the Zelensky, he joined the Clinton Foundation's global climate change um, meeting yesterday. So it's like he's saying that you know his country's under attack, but he has all this time to go to the Oscars, go to the global. <laughs> climate meeting yeah. and you just go he's a really war hero how dare you speak about him that way yeah how dare you yeah. how dare you do you know he's <laughs> got lots of vote you. shoots lined up how dare you <laughs> he's gonna be on maxim right. maxim uk soon i think yeah he's probably been on gq already i'm not gonna i don't know probably is on gq any more olivia okay we've expired our time here three different time zones it's early for katie we thank you for coming on it's late for lewis we thank you for coming on and me you know i'm just here to trigger and get triggered thanks everybody for watching rebelnews.com slash live streams to get your daily feed lewis brackpool on social media katie how can everybody find your socials katie davis court all one word last name i should have done something like that i'll change my stuff to katie davis court as well so i can be found andrew says tv on twitter <laughs> And Andrew does on Instagram. We're going to close with some mumbling Joe Biden. Um, he wants to tax more people. What a surprise. We'll see you guys next time. On the promised advantages, let's meet the enormous infrastructure needs around the world with transparent investments, high standard projects that protect the rights of workers and the environment, keyed to the needs of the communities they serve, not to the contributor. That's why the United States, together with fellow G7 partners, launched a Partnership for Global Infrastructure and Investment. We intend to collectively mobilize $600 billion in investment through this partnership by 2027. Dozens of projects are already underway. Industrial-scale vaccine manufacturing in Senegal, transformative solar projects in Angola, first-of-its-kind small modular nuclear power plant in Romania. These are investments that are going to deliver returns, not just for those countries, but for everyone. The United States will work with every nation, including our competitors, 
to solve global problems like climate change. Climate diplomacy is not a favor to the United States or any other nation. And walking away hurts the entire world. Let me be direct about the competition between the United States and China. As we manage shifting geopolitical trends, the United States will conduct itself as a reasonable leader. We do not seek conflict. We do not seek a Cold War. We do not ask any nation to choose between the United States or any other partner. But the United States will be unabashed in promoting our vision of a free, open, secure, and prosperous world and what we have to offer communities and nations. Investments that are designed not to foster dependency, but to alleviate burdens and help nations become self-sufficient. Partnerships not to create political obligation, but because we know our own success, each of our successes increased when other nations succeed as well. When individuals have the chance to live in dignity and develop their talents, everyone benefits.